With training camp literally right around the corner, it's time to answer one of the biggest questions around the New Orleans Saints. And I'll give you three reasons why Derek Carr was absolutely the right choice at quarterback for 2023. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily episode. And if you want to keep up to date, even beyond that, and also connect with me one-on-one, gain access to our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can head over to a great community that I would love for you to join at joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. NOLA on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter for Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast. And here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, it's Friday, so we got in case you missed it, getting you all caught up on all of the stories from what has been the busiest week since many camps have wrapped up here in New Orleans, including an update and kind of a look at where things still stand with Alvin Kamara and the NFL. Before we get to that, though, we're going to take a look at our position battles, which we've been breaking down every week over the course of the past few weeks. And we're going to establish the front runners so that we can keep track and see how things change over the course of training camp. But first, let's answer the biggest question when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, aside from are they going to be good, which we've answered here recently. I still think this is a 10-win team going into 2023 at this time. But one of the biggest questions that is on a lot of New Orleans Saints fans' minds is, was Derek Carr the right choice? Is he the guy? And I'm going to give you three reasons, or three categories rather, as to why I think Derek Carr was indeed the right person. All the way from me diving on a couch at the Senior Bowl and telling you my big conspiracy theory about why I thought Derek Carr would be the next New Orleans Saints quarterback to now where we know that he is the New Orleans Saints starting quarterback. There have been a lot of things that I've kind of highlighted along the way, but now let's put it all together. And we're going to kind of categorize everything into three specific categories. The first of which is that he is a more familiar style quarterback for a New Orleans Saints system that doesn't want to change. That just simply doesn't want to change. And that puts him in a position to where he is a little bit more familiar to the guy that built that system. And that system was built for and with and all that. So we'll look at that. We'll also take a look at the injury history question, because I know that's a big one. And then we're also going to take a look at the sort of downside. Like, what are the issues that we have seen from Derek Carr over the course of his career? And there's specifically an area of the field where he has struggled. But I think that the New Orleans Saints have found that the things that aren't Derek Carr's strengths are diagnosable, and they were able to mitigate them. I think they've done a good job at answering at least one of the biggest questions around Derek Carr. So let's start off circling back to him being a more familiar quarterback with the system. What does this mean? Look, over the course of the past two years since the retirement of Drew Brees, the New Orleans Saints have done a, a little bit to try to adjust their system to their quarterback. They they went to the they went two years in a row to Jameis Winston to start the season. Injuries bungled that uh, partway through. 
Um, some might say unfairly so in 2021, others maybe not, but losing jobs while injured is, is the thing that happens in the NFL. And we watched the Saints try to change their offense a little bit. And we've watched the New Orleans Saints offense change. We've watched targets and as well as receptions per game for Alvin Kamara tick down. We watched the run game for Alvin Kamara tick up. We watched the distribution of his run game shrink or, or tighten to between the tackles, being a bell cow type back, um, not having Michael Thomas two years ago, to having Michael Thomas for a few games last year, to having Chris Olave. There's so much of this offense that has changed, but the general principles of it are still an, is still an offense that needs reliable and effective pre-snap uh, reads and potentially adjustments, needs to be able to have a lot of versatility, adaptability, as well as uh, improv within the offense. And a lot of that has to happen pre-snap before the ball is snapped. And then, of course, being able to see the field the way that the New Orleans Saints want a quarterback to see the field and train their wide receivers to see the field so that everybody is seeing the same thing. And I think that in those three main categories within this larger category, Derek Carr checks all the boxes. He's the type of guy that you can call two plays in the huddle. He can go in, get into the huddle, get those two plays called, which would be uh, a, a, an initial play as well as a kill call, which would be the ones where once he gets to the line of scrimmage, he can say, kill, 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 kill. And that tells everybody, okay, we're going to the second play because of what I'm seeing on the defense. So that returns the New Orleans Saints to a little bit more control over their offense and in having a little bit more structure around what I was just talking about with adaptability, changing all those things, kind of the pre-snap adaptability that should be back in New Orleans. The other thing is that you need somebody that can adequately understand where pressure is coming from. And Jameis Winston struggled with that. Andy Dalton struggled with that. Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, Ian Book, everybody and their mama struggled with that. That has tried out, you know, it has kind of been the potential quarterback solution for the New Orleans Saints. Remember, the guy that was the most successful backup quarterback or non-Drew Brees quarterback over the course of the past couple of years was Teddy Bridgewater. And what is it that Teddy Bridgewater does extremely well? He's a great pre-snap quarterback. He's a highly intelligent quarterback. He understands where pressure is coming from. And, and this is the next piece about seeing the field the way that the Saints want you to see the field, he reads low to high. And I think that Derek Carr gives you that same thing. I know over the course of the past couple of years, We've watched Derek Carr become more and more of a downfield quarterback, but in the years where people were talking to Drew Brees about, hey, why not so many air yards? And Drew Brees is saying, air yards don't score points, air yards don't matter and all that. The other guy that was near the bottom of the league in those air yards, but was still producing a good West Coast offense was Derek Carr. Things have changed over the course of the past couple of years where they've turned him into a more of a, uh, a quarterback that can rely on his verticality. But before that, he was very much a... Um, you can call him a check down guy, but a short to intermediate guy. And that was the type of offense that maximized an Alvin Kamara, that maximized the Michael Thomas, so on and so forth. So I think that that all fits within the familiarity of what the system is looking for. The next big category we discussed was injury history. This one's pretty quick. At this point, you're betting on stasis and you're betting on status quo, as opposed to betting on bucking a trend. What we've seen from Jameis Winston, who is the only other real kind of alternative to Derek Carr to start the season for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, or who would have been the only other alternative, um, is that he's he's had his last two seasons in with injury and he's had injuries in his past. So what are you going to bet on? Are you going to bet on that no longer happening for reasons? Or are you going to bet on the guy that's only ever missed two games in his career due to injury? He missed the last two last year when the Raiders effectively gave up on him in front of the entire world. But outside of that, he's only ever missed two games due to injury. So I think you bet on the health and the proven track record of health as opposed to the questionable track records of health that would have otherwise been available with Jameis Winston and even other quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, who would have been the Saints' next option behind Derek Carr uh, in terms of what we heard while we were in 
Indianapolis for the combine. And thank goodness they didn't go down that route. And then finally, the Saints have been able to sign of kind of preemptively mitigate some of the things that we know that Derek Carr has struggled in. He's been a great quarterback between the 20s, but he struggled throughout his career in the red zone. So what do you do? You have Alvin Kamara already, who is a fantastic red zone piece. You have Taysom Hill already, who's a fantastic red, red zone piece. You've got Jamal Williams, who you brought in, who is one of the best red zone running backs in the NFL, certainly was last year. Juwan Johnson gives you a big red zone target. Michael Thomas, back when he was in uh, was uh, you know the last full season that he played in 2019 was one of the best red zone players in the NFL red zone receivers in the NFL he caught 18 excuse me 16 uh, passes when he was targeted in the red zone in 2019 eight of those were touchdowns that was eight of his nine touchdowns for that amazing season that he had and uh, you know on top of that you look at some of the other pieces he was also the guy that had the most receiving yards in the red zone back in 2019 145 receiving yards between you know within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage that's really really good so even if michael thomas only plays half the season or a few games in the season whatever you have him as one of five options that have proven to be very very uh, effective for you in the red zone. And Chris Olave should get better in the red zone. Brian Edwards is somebody that um, that Derek Carr has a routine with in the red zone. Same thing for Foster Moreau, the newly signed New Orleans Saints tight end that came over from Las Vegas along with Derek Carr. So I think that the places where you know that he struggles, the New Orleans Saints have already done a good job of diagnosing that and then mitigating it and providing the the options that maybe he doesn't even have to put the ball in the air at all in the red zone because of what all of the different things that the Saints can do um, with the players that they have and, and the great talent that they have over on the offensive side. So familiar, familiarity with the system uh, and the system being uh, being able to operate a little bit more cleanly uh, with this quarterback uh, and style of quarterback, the injury history, and then where the issues are, you've been able to already address. Those are the reasons why I think Derek Carr was the right choice. You don't have to do as much band-aiding for a guy like Derek Carr. And even when you have to, it's easy. It's easy. And so I think that Derek Carr was the right choice. Um, and I think that Derek Carr gives him a better outlook going into 2023. We'll have to see what the reality of it is once he actually hit the field. Coming up next, a lot of conversation around training camp is going to be around Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints offense, but we're going to see a lot in terms of position battles as well. We've broken down eight here on the show. Let's revisit and kind of go through who the front runners are for now and why that could potentially change over the course of training camp. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for your draft or you're scouring that waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with the players that are going to be a guaranteed fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway, let's see who Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer has picked as this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. So if you're looking to make a smooth turn in your fantasy football uh, snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you're going to be guaranteed to have two of the top performers by going all AFC West with uh, Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Adams has proven that he's going to remain a top flight option with the Raiders in Las Vegas, while Mahomes will continue to operate both the highest floor and highest ceiling as one of the standout luxury options at his position. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy drafts and your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is all about finding the perfect fit. And the same goes 
with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories available for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure that your ride is running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts. If you need it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure that it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your car just needs a little bit of fixing up because now you know that you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay's Guaranteed Fit, everything that your vehicle is looking for is just a click away. For parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check mark, get the right parts, the right fit, and all at the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, family. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks as always to all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. So we went over why Derek Carr was the right choice for the New Orleans Saints. But again, he's not going to be the main. He's not going to be the only main focal point when it comes to training camp. We've got eight different position battles that we've been watching and tracking here on the show. Let's break them down in terms of discussing who the front runner is. Now, the point of this is to take a look at who we think the front runner is going into camp so that when we get into camp and we're starting to track all this, we can see if the tides start to turn. So this is kind of establishing the, the baseline for what will become a, you know, a weeks long study all throughout training camp. And what I will say is that in a lot of these training camp battles, the New Orleans Saints, regardless of who ends up winning the battle, they're in really really, really good shape as long as everybody stays healthy. And what you want to see is these folks win their battles as opposed to lose them so that the other guy wins. That's going to be a key thing here. So let's start off with the biggest battle this offseason, which is undeniably cornerback two. Paul Sinadibo versus Elante Taylor. I think your front runner is Paul Sinadibo. And I think that the most likely scenario that comes out of training camp is that the Saints actually rotate who starts opposite Marshawn Lattimore based upon the matchup that's presented. I don't know if we're going to see Elante Taylor play enough slot snaps for them to really be able to say he's a slot cornerback now. That doesn't seem logical to me. We'll see if it happens, though, because it could. Remember, when Elante Taylor got drafted, the first thing that I said was, oh, they'll likely move him to safety because of his, his speed and his ball tracking ability and all those other things. What'd they do? They kept him as an outside corner. Now, do they move him into the slot? Maybe, but that's a big risk to take for a guy that played like 44 slot snaps all throughout his collegiate career and played a few during his season last year and just now started to learn the position. Now, if he surprises and he does that, then great. You get all three of those guys out on the field and that's awesome. That would be the ideal situation for the New Orleans Saints to have Alante Taylor, Paul Sadebo, and Marshawn Lattimore on the field every play on the, on, on the defensive side. But I don't know if that's the route that they end up going. I'm curious to see if maybe it ends up being matchup-based, but I will give Paul Sinadibo the edge right now because two years of, of, of NFL experience, he's an experienced veteran at this point. He's had the ups, he's had the downs, which means that he's done a good job of navigating all of that. Now he walks into New Orleans with an opportunity to be able to win his role and solidify his role. I think that it's his job to win, his job to lose, uh, but I do think I would put him as a front runner right now. What changes that? If, if Alante Taylor starts coming down with some of those interceptions and starts and continues to, you know, forcing completions and the pass breakups and getting involved and all those other things, Alante Taylor could run away with it as long as Paul Sinadibo is not doing it too. But this is going to be a very hard fought battle amongst two guys that really like each other, that really, really like each other and are going to push each other day in and day out. Next up, I want to look at the edge rusher opposite K1 
Cam Jordan, um, Carl Granderson to me is the front runner here without a doubt. Could be interesting to see if Peyton Turner turns a corner. Could be interesting to see if Tana Passanio continues his trajectory, which isn't talked about enough. Uh, he says with the ability and the platform to be able to talk about it as much as I can. I promise I'll find a way to do that, just like I did with Malcolm Roach yesterday. Which if you missed yesterday's episode, go check it out. Um, and of course, Isaiah Foskey is going to have you know an opportunity here. But I do think that Isaiah Foskey starts off as a rotational player. Um, and that can, and, and a lot of that comes down to Carl Granderson's outstanding work in the run game so far, um, over the course of the past couple of years, he's developed not only as a pass rusher, but as a run stopper. And I think that that's going to, that's going to go a long way for him. So I do think that Carl Granderson is a front runner there. I think the person that is most likely to challenge that is Isaiah Foskey. If he comes in and just balls out right away all throughout training camp and does it consistently, because remember Peyton Turner was a camp star too. And so Fossey's got to come in and be a camp star, but then he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be able to show that he can do it in a game too, uh, which we have seen from Peyton Turner. Literally, the only thing that's ever gotten in Peyton Turner's way is he hasn't been able to get out on the field consistently. So I'll give Carl Granderson the guy that shows you what he's been able to do, who not only flashes, but remains consistent um, and who has been able to be out on the field. I'll give him the edge right now. Wide receiver four, or however you want to look at it, the wide receiver behind the big three. I I think I still lean Brian Edwards for right now. I know Traquan Smith has the institutional knowledge, and based upon the criteria that I used for Paulson Adebo, I should probably pick Traquan Smith. But honestly, Traquan just hasn't had the highs that a guy like Paulson Adebo has. That's just bottom line. Even Paulson Adebo, when he struggled last year, still nearly led the team in pass breakups. Uh, I mean, I think that that's the big deciding factor for me is that like Traquan's just never had a top end or high end, I won't even say top end, a, a high end season. Uh, during his time, despite opportunities. Like, let's not pretend like this guy hasn't had opportunities. He has. And so uh, I do think that his value as a blocker, I think his value in terms of understanding the, the the playbook and having a better understanding of that, his versatility as a slot guy, as well as working on the outside, all that has value, but Brian Edwards provides that value too. So I, 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 I'm leaning Brian Edwards right now, but I don't want to rule out Traquan fully. I don't want to rule out A.T. Perry fully, depending upon when he gets back to the field, all that. Backup linebacker. And so when I talk about backup linebacker, I don't mean the third linebacker, the strong side linebacker on the field. That seems pretty clearly to be Zach Bond. But the guy that comes in, if you need another coverage linebacker or Pete Werner or Demario Davis end up needing to take a playoff because their shoe comes untied or their helmet comes off, it's DeMarco Jackson. And I don't know that anybody's going to challenge for that. I think DeMarco's got some things to clean up, footwork, backpedaling, changing direction, things like that. He's an on-ball guy being converted to an off-ball guy. But his trajectory so far is way more positive in that direction of converting to an on-ball, or excuse me, an off-ball guy or a coverage linebacker than, let's say, uh, a, uh, a Zach Bond was. We'll see if the New Orleans Saints bring in a veteran that potentially challenges here and kind of changes what that is. But right now, I put DeMarco Jackson there. I know a lot of folks have said, well, the Saints should bring back Quan Alexander. I don't see it that way. I don't see that there's really a reason to bring back Quan Alexander when DeMarco Jackson kind of gives you the same skill set of a Quan Alexander while being a better run defender and being a better tackler. Um, left tackle. I think Trevor Penning is the the front runner right now, but it's going to be interesting to see because injuries, um, you know, does that end up being James Hurst? Does that end up being Trevor Penning? Uh, I'll give Trevor Penning the clear front runner right now. All he's got to do is stay healthy. That's a simple one. Left guard is another big one. Andrus Pete, Nick Saldaveri, or, uh, or, uh, James Hurst there. And I'll give Andrews Pete the edge right now because he's played the position for so long. The Saints have a lot of money invested in him. But man, I don't know that that, I don't think that that, that, that rope is, you know, that, that sort of lead is very long when it comes to him. I, I really don't. And so it'd be interesting to see there. But I do think James Hurst and Nick Saldaveri present a unique 
level of competition that Andrews Pete hasn't seen in New Orleans thus far. And then finally, defensive tackles. This was a really interesting one. I'm going with Colin Saunders and Malcolm Roach as the as the front runners for me. I, I think I think we're sleeping on Malcolm Roach because he's not a new addition. Uh, and he hasn't had a lot of opportunity in New Orleans. But I do think that these two guys both have these big body type type builds that can uh, have you know a big impact in the run game. But both of them have a lot of athleticism. And Malcolm Roach has proven to be very disruptive as a pass rusher. So I'm going to give them the lead right now. But look, Brian Brzee and Nathan Shepard are going to shake things up. So we'll see where that all goes. So Paul Sinadibo at CB2, Carl Granderson opposite Cam Jordan, Brian Edwards behind the big three at wide receiver, DeMarco Jackson behind the big two at linebacker, at off-ball linebacker, Trevor Pinning at left tackle, Andrus Pete for now. That's probably the one that I think is the closest to maybe being usurped. And then I'll give Colin Saunders as well as Malcolm Roach the edge right now at defensive tackle. But Brian Brzee and Nathan Shepard, they're, they're not going to make it easy for sure. All right. Coming up next, or, or just remember, we'll, we'll be tracking and updating that. I have, that, have those in my spreadsheet right now. We'll be tracking and updating on how these move over the course. And maybe we'll do like a weekly revisit every Friday of kind of like where the position battles are, or, or we'll do that and you know, we'll, we'll find a way to do that for sure. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at In Case You Missed It, get you caught up on all of the things from around a very busy week for the New Orleans Saints, including have we heard anything? about Alvin Kamara and the NFL. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with our standard Friday segment here, in case you missed it, getting you caught up on all the biggest things from around the New Orleans Saints from this week and what has been the busiest week since minicamps wrapped up and the official offseason weeks took place. So we're going to start off with Alvin Kamara and the NFL here. We all know at this point, and in case you did miss it, we could fill you in, Alvin Kamara and his legal battles, both in Las Vegas and in New Orleans, are officially over. Uh, he ends up uh, pleading no contest to a lesser charge, a misdemeanor in Las Vegas, which resulted in a fine and some medical bills that he paid for, as well as some community service that he has to wrap up, 30 hours community service, which he has to complete within the next 90 days or 90 days since the trial was done. And also his uh, civil case here in New Orleans was settled on confidential terms. So we don't know the terms of that, but the original lawsuit itself is for $10 million. Um, that's kind of where everything is. Now we're just waiting to see if the NFL is going to hand down a suspension or when they're going to hand down a suspension. It is still very much expected that it will be a multi-game suspension, likely at the beginning of the year, but we'll see how quickly the NFL acts or maybe more appropriately doesn't act on exactly that. So we'll see where all that goes. But for right now, we're tracking, we're watching, and we'll see uh, when that suspension happens. The good news for the New Orleans Saints, they've revamped that running back room. And as soon as Kendra Miller gets out on the field, things will be even better there. But they're in a really, really good place with Jamal Williams, Eno Benjamin, and hopefully Kendra Miller to continue to be able to produce in the ground game. Uh, in case you missed it, five players were moved to preseason injury lists for the New Orleans Saints. So wide receiver Shaq Davis, undrafted out of the South Carolina State University, the HBCU, uh, as well as six-round wide receiver out of Wake Forest, A.T. Perry, were moved to the non-football injury list, along with running back Kendra Miller, who was the third-round selection out of TCU for the New Orleans Saints this offseason. Non-football injury list just means that they were injured doing something away from an NFL-sanctioned practice or NFL-sanctioned event of some sort. So uh, for Kendra Miller, that was very likely. This is probably still tied to his... MCL sprain that he had over in TCU. 
Um, Nick Underhill from over at New Orleans at Football reporting that that one, as well as the A.T. Perry injury or whatever ailment, let's call it, uh, that sent them to NFI, the non-football injury list aren't major concerns. Did mention that Kendra Miller's is not medical, which I don't really know what that means. I, I, it's probably still just attached to whatever's going on with uh, his rehab process from his TCU injury. So I'm not too worried about any of these. Um, the only ones that I really sounded the alarm on were A.T. Perry and Shaq Davis because they need practice time. And if they miss it, it could be detrimental to their opportunity to make the roster. Physically unable to perform list, a pretty much the exact same carbon copy of the NFI list, but these injuries happen during an NFL-sanctioned practice, NFL-sanctioned event, and then there's some other things in terms of accounting, numbers, money, all that other stuff that end up going in there. Uh, Nick Saldaveri, the guard who was the fourth-round selection for the New Orleans Saints, the first fourth-round selection, as well as undrafted uh, 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 cornerback or defensive back Anthony Johnson. Both these guys suffered injuries during OTAs and now are on the physically unable to perform list. Just to remind everybody, last year before training camp kicked off, the New Orleans Saints put Michael Thomas on a physically unable to perform list on July 20th, July 21st. Training camp started on July 27th. He was out there running routes, catching passes, and then was taken off the physically unable to perform list. This does not guarantee that any of these five players are going to miss any time during training camp, but it does set things up so that if they do, everything's accounted for. In case you missed it, Second round rookie Isaiah Foskey finally signed his contract. His rookie deal is now done. It's on a four-year deal. We should expect the first three years to be fully guaranteed. Maybe the third year is mostly guaranteed. Very unlikely that any of the fourth year will be guaranteed. However, the guy that was selected two picks before him at pick 38 was Matthew Bergeron, the offensive lineman over in Atlanta, who just got just who got just ten thousand dollars of his twenty twenty or his uh, fourth year contract money guaranteed. So unlikely that. Isaiah Foskey sees more than that. Unlikely that he sees that much. Very unlikely. It seems like they don't have a guaranteed fourth year at all, but we'll see what happens there. Um, again, this is the same thing that happened with Alante Taylor last year. There's the offset language, which is just about if his if he doesn't finish his contract here in New Orleans, does New Orleans still pay a portion of what's left or does a new team take that over? All these other things. Like There's a whole bunch that goes on with these rookie contracts. And that sometimes creates some delays and everything. And then there's the literal, when is he physically going to be in the building to sign the contract? He had to wait until he reported for reported for training camp, which was on the 18th, signed the contract on the 19th, just like last year when rookies reported on the 19th and Alante Taylor signed his contract on the 20th. This happens with second round picks. It's tough. The NFL is a changing model when it comes to second round picks, payment, pay structures, all these other things. And so that tends to, I don't want to say get in the way. Because uh, I don't think that that's the right verbiage to use, but it, it tends to elongate the process a little bit. And that will probably continue to be the case in the NFL, especially if you're a top 50 selection within that second round pick or within that second round. You're going to see more and more of this year in and year out. And it might get even crazier if running backs, depending upon what happens with running backs moving forward and all this other stuff with that kind of weird market. So uh, that does mean, in case you miss it, that the entire rookie class is now under contract. So everybody from Brian Brzee all the way to A.T. Perry in the sixth round now under contract. Nothing to worry about. Everything is all good in the hood when it comes to the New Orleans Saints rookie deals. Isaiah Foskey was the last one to get done. All right, y'all. Coming up on Monday and Tuesday, 53-man roster projections. We're going to start off with our initial 53-man roster projections. Monday will be offense. Tuesday will be defense. We're going to split special teams up in the midst of all that as well. Um, this, for me, is about like what we did in the second segment today. We're going to set a baseline and then see how those projections change as training camp rolls along. And then we'll do another one as preseason begins 
And then another one as the preseason wraps up before the 53-man roster cut down. So we'll get our first official look at what I think the 53-man roster will look like early, and then we'll continue to adjust as we get new information throughout the offseason. That's what we got coming up for you on Monday. Don't forget, two-a-days will also start back up on Monday as well. So that um, offensive uh, look at the um, 53-man roster will publish uh, Monday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday evening. I think we're going to be shooting for like 6 p.m. Central Time, uh, maybe a little bit earlier this Monday um, to get you a live show out. So we'll have the live show on YouTube, which will also be published everywhere as well. So you'll get two episodes a day starting on Monday the 24th. And basically every day that the Saints practice, you'll get two episodes because we'll kind of go through answering some big questions in the morning and then giving you the training camp report in the evening. All right, y'all. Very, very exciting. Two days are on the way. Training camp is on the way. It is that time. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for Make It Locked on Saints, a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.